Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Tech of Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is our sixth and final episode in the email marketing series called Beyond the Broadcast. Today, it's just me and the mic. We are wrapping up the conversation so that you have all the tools in your arsenal to make the advice and conversations that we've done in the past five episodes relevant and actionable in your business. There's no point listening if you don't know how to take action. That's what today's episode is all about. We're going to start with tackling segmentation and tagging of your subscribers so that you can increase the effectiveness of your email marketing efforts. The very first and easiest group to segment and identify are the people who you are currently doing one-on-one work with. These are your VIP clients. They pay you the most, they expect the most, and you want to treat them appropriately. You don't want to be sending these this group of people opportunities to buy your low-end offers. They already love you, work with you, and everything else. So keeping them out of other um, opportunities that are not actually opportunities for them is the reason why we want to segment out your VIP clients. On the heels of that, the next group of clients or purchasers that you want to segment out are people who are currently in your group programs, in your courses, in your membership site, or people who have bought a digital product from you and currently have access to that material. You may and most likely will want to characterize these people by what the actual product or service they are um, engaging with you through is. So, Yes, it could be just a bucket called client, but I would probably recommend going beyond that. And then look at these people and get creative because we want to have fun in our email marketing system. We talked about this back in the conversation with Aweber, that you want to have fun with your email marketing. So how would you characterize your active clients or purchasers? What term do you use to talk about them? I mean, I'm talking about when you're talking to your mentor or your coach or within your mastermind. How do you describe these clients? Maybe that's the term you're going to use inside your email marketing system to characterize them so that on a blink of an eye, you know exactly who they are based on the tags that they have assigned to them. The next group of people that are easy to segment are your past clients. And also included in that are the people who previously had access to material but don't any longer. So maybe you had a course that was available for six months and the content is no longer available to the participants. Those people are past clients. Those are past content, um, people who had past content access. This group of people might also have several subsections, depending on the type of business you run. Um, And some of them may be potential repeat clients, whereas others may not. And that's totally okay. We're going to get into a couple of sample businesses later in the episode and dig into the differences between segments and tagging at that point. The next segment that 
may or may not be as easy to set up is to split your leads by the way they entered into your email list to begin with. So it could be freebies or webinars or challenges, consults or virtual summits, and every other possible way that someone could choose to be on your list. It's great for knowing how people got there in the first place. Growing a list is great, but if we don't capture why they subscribed, it's hard to make them an offer that is truly relevant to them. Now that you've tagged these people with the source that they came in, if possible, it would also be a really good time to go back to that lead source if it's still active and add that tagging in right at the outset. So you don't have to go back in and re-tag these individuals. I'll show you what I mean, okay? So if you go to techofbusiness.com forward slash freebie forward slash email dash sequence, I have uh, a freebie sitting there. This particular freebie gives you access to a PDF that's inside my Member Vault account, which will take you through a series of onboarding emails. At the final stage of those emails, my automation tags you so that you are ready to receive emails as part of my more general full list. I also have it tagged that you were interested in my email marketing sequence so that I can then tell you if I have something else fun going on in email marketing. I also at that time make sure it's clear that I know you've received this particular freebie. So why is this important? Well, let's say that I'm going to be a guest expert on a podcast or a virtual summit or even a webinar talking specifically about the tech that this freebie discusses. There is a far greater likelihood that it would be of interest to you than someone who chose to subscribe to my list from a very different opt-in. So I might send a special email to this segment that explains my appearance and the content that I share and how the content that I share has a direct correlation to the freebie that you downloaded. That's not to say that I won't email the rest of my list. I will send them a less specific version of that email. The idea here is that you'll know that I'm speaking directly to you and that will make it more likely that you'll take action. And that's truly the power of segmenting, sending the best, most relevant emails to the people who are most likely to take action on them. Okay, so we've talked about creating segments for your current clients, past clients, and leads based on the way that they got onto your email list. But what if you don't have enough data to create those types of segments? We can segment our audience based on their behavior. That is to say, our audience leaves plenty of breadcrumbs as they interact with us. They open emails, they click links, they look at pages on your website, they reply to your emails, they join your Facebook group, they join your challenge, they engage with you on social media. These are all pieces that can be used to build our segments further. Some of this may be a manual process, some of it may be entirely automated. Just remember, manual isn't bad. I use a manual process as my clients move through my done-for-you services. It's far easier to add a task to my task list automatically every time I take a payment and manually jump into ActiveCampaign to update the appropriate tags. What I mean is that whenever someone pays me money, I then get a task in my project management software to go into ActiveCampaign to update their record. Because 
my automation doesn't know if that was a deposit on a done-for-you service, if it was a final payment on a done-for-you service, if it was an intermediate payment on a done-for-you service, if it was a one-time payment for a product that I might be selling or a one-time way of working with me, my automation doesn't need to know that because I was intrinsically involved in that process and it makes logical sense for me to just have the trigger to remind me to go into ActiveCampaign and update their status. And, you know, with your VIP clients, when they've made final payment, we want to remove them from VIP, but we want to be able to designate that they were one of our VIP clients so that we can also make sure that we don't try and sell them our VIP offer again because that's just not relevant to them. So that's why I say it's a manual process triggered by an automation. So back to uh, behavior. Sometimes it's just a matter of figuring out what's important to you and how you'll best be able to serve the individuals in your audience. For many of my clients, the best segments based on behavior are viewing certain pages of their website. That is to say, if someone looks at the work with me page several times, they are probably interested in working with you. Or if someone looks at the blog posts all revolving around a specific topic, they will be more likely to be interested in an opportunity that also addresses that specific topic. Of course, the ability to know that pages are being viewed isn't always easy. It depends on some back-end systems. ActiveCampaign has site tracking and some of the other email marketing systems do as well. Site tracking only works if you're able to add a cookie to your subscriber's browser, and this is done by them clicking on a link in an email that sends them back to your website. And I just have a caveat, as with any cookie, it's not perfect. We hold different cookies on each device and within each browser of those devices, but it's a good guess, and a good guess is better than no information at all. I mentioned earlier that user activity on social media is a great way to segment people. If you go live regularly on your Facebook page, encouraging people to comment or give an emoji on that live is a great way to see who shows up. You can then make a notation inside your email marketing system that these people hang out on Facebook. So next time you do plan on going live, give them a heads up via email. That helps complete the cycle. Let's have a conversation inside the Tech of Business community on Facebook about other segments that are proving useful in your business or that you would be interested in exploring. Remember, the community can be accessed by going to techofbusiness.com forward slash community. The final way to delve into segmenting is to ask your audience. You know, that's a matter of giving this or that options inside emails or asking them to complete a quick survey. Encourage the click and get to know your audience. The more you know about your audience from the, where they live and their family structure to what their business goals are and what they think is their zone of genius, the more likely you'll be able to help each individual in your audience get the most out of interacting with you and your business. Help them raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of this. In our last episode, episode 62, with Ramon Darling of Keep, we focused on using email to enhance the experience for your customers. 
And I want to get into a bit more of that now. For every online purchase that a customer or client makes, it's just not good enough to send them a receipt and the product. This is the best time to over-deliver and wow that new client. I've recommended this before, but it's worth repeating. Sending access and receipt information in two separate emails. One goes to the accounting department, the other goes to the user. They may be the same person, but they also might not. Your new client's workflow might have them automatically forwarding their purchase receipts to their bookkeeper or accountant. Mixing login or access information in that email can cause confusion and make things harder for your audience member. Trust me, they'd rather receive two emails, one that is for their records and one for their bookkeeper. (laughs) It's not entirely what I wanted to talk about just now. I actually wanted to showcase successful ways I've seen service providers and entrepreneurs over deliver on their very first onboarding email. And for that, it's slightly different depending on the type of product or service that you're selling. I kind of created four buckets or categories for this. The first one is clients who have purchased an online course or a group program ahead of the start date. The second one is people who have purchased a fully available self-guided course or membership site access. The third one would be your clients who have purchased a guided course, which usually means that it's using drip features. So they get one module now, they get one module next week, and so on and so forth. And the fourth category or bucket is clients who have purchased done for you or done with you services. For all these categories, the very first email should set expectations. Outline exactly how often they will hear from you via email and where they will hear from you outside of email. That means that if they're going to hear from you inside a Facebook group, via Voxer or any other type of messaging system, if you need them to join a Slack channel, or if they're going to only hear from you from inside a standalone utility, like on their student dashboard or inside of some user portal of some kind. Setting expectations, that's the key here. We want them to know how they're going to hear from you and the frequency of that. Also in this initial email, providing instructions for how to access the community content or resources, as well as clearly defined how they are to communicate from their side to you, not what you're communicating to them, but how you want them to communicate with you. By listing out this information, you're going to make it super clear and be able to hold boundaries. When a client is in category one and they are waiting for the start date, you'll want to get them used to opening your emails and taking some kind of action. The easiest action to have someone do is to reply to that email and answer a question. This goes back over to the segmenting a little bit because you get to know a little bit more about that person. But it also helps them get excited and get ready and do something as they're prepping. When a client is in category four, um, that's your done with you or done for you services, they might need to get onto your schedule. So using a scheduling software tool that allows them to pick a time that works is 
a fabulous thing to include in that initial email. I personally use Acuity Scheduling, which you can look at by going through my affiliate link at techabusiness.com forward slash Acuity. That's A-C-U-I-T-Y. Also, in this email, it is really prudent to remind them of what your turnaround time is and any delay clauses that they might have agreed to. For clients in bucket two or bucket three, they're mostly self-guided, but you want to make sure that they know that you're silently by their side. I recommend a series of emails that promote getting started and keep going. At the end of the day, regardless of the category, regularly hitting the inbox and helping your clients achieve the results that they are seeking is always the best course of action. So if it's three emails in the first week and then one email a week until they are complete, then that's what you do. If it's one email to kick things off and an email every other week to check in, then go for it. Another great feature of email marketing systems is that you can give your client options on how frequently they hear from you in regard to this particular purchase. And don't rely solely on automated emails. I love the idea of sending a personal message to a client when they hit a milestone or a roadblock on their journey. You can use automation to trigger a notification to yourself for this. Am I talking in circles? Probably, but that's because I'm so passionate about making sure that you're using the technology to the best of your abilities and that you have the tools and resources to do this effectively. So let's use a couple of concrete examples to fully comprehend the ideas that I've been sharing. The first example is for a live multi-week course. The card opens about one week before the course starts. There is material to consume on a course delivery platform and live sessions held via Zoom that clients can attend. So tagging. We tag anyone who visits the sales page with visited sales page for course X, Y, and Z. And then anyone who purchases will get the tag client for course X, Y, and Z. If you're really being clean and clear about it, you may also remove the visited sales page. They may also get the tag active client so that you remove the likelihood of targeting them any further uh, with this offer or anything else while they are an active client. Nobody wants to be sold to when they've already purchased. So once they are a client in that course, you'll be sending them access information and expectations. Then every couple of days between the purchase date and the course launch date, you'll send them emails to get them super excited. This might be a little bit of pre-work or a special welcome video or something that asks what they hope to get out of the course. The idea, again, is to help them carve out time to get their full results. Then you'll continue to communicate with them via email and however else you have set up communication. It's probably a Facebook group. That's just the way I've seen a lot of these live courses take place. Then after the course wraps up, a couple more touch points to see how you can help them further and of course to close the loop. It's nice when there is a nice tidy bow tied at the end of an offering. From there, remember to update the tags. Attended this course completed this course, don't sell this course to this person again, those kinds of things. That way you are super clear when you go back in to market this course next time through as to how to approach these individuals. 
Our second example is a course that gets dripped out each week for six weeks. It is completely standalone, self-paced, and in this case, the tagging is similar to the last example before they become a client. We want to tag them that they've hit the sales page and that they've purchased the course, clean up any tags that we don't need anymore so that we aren't marketing this course to them, and so on. I also really like tying the course progress to tags within your email marketing system to help you help them keep going. So what I mean by that is that you have the ability to say that they've completed a chapter based on an integration between your email marketing system and the course delivery system. If you can set things up so that you know that they completed the week one material, then you know that they're ready for week two. Or if they haven't completed week one, you may want to let them know, hey, I noticed you haven't completed week one. Here's week two. Don't forget to complete week one first. Those kinds of things. I like to start the email automation for this type of product and client with an email a day for the first three days, then to skip a couple of days and send an email the day before the next module is dripped. And then an email two days after that module is dripped. Okay, so let's go back and put real dates. They sign up on Monday. Monday they get an email, Tuesday they get an email, Wednesday they get an email. The next one is going to drip on Monday. So they're going to get another email on Sunday, letting them know that the, it, the next one is coming tomorrow and that you're pleased with their progress or whatever you might be putting in there. And then you're going to give them another email on Wednesday. And from there, I say it's good enough and they're going to be used to opening your emails, used to the content for you to now just send an email either Sunday or Monday, either the day before or day of the new content release. In these emails, if you're tracking progress, you can call out the, I've seen you've completed everything to this point, or I see that you haven't finished module X. Is there something I can help you with? Or even, I noticed that you've been watching videos, but you're not doing the exercises. How can I help you? That's the power of tracking their progress. You can actually set this up entirely automated and use conditional logic to determine which version they are getting. And once that client has all the content, keep touching base with them to help them keep going and get to completion. Not everybody is going to be able to complete a six-week course in six weeks. It may take them seven weeks. It may take them nine weeks. It may take them a year. But if you continuously show up in their inbox, they're going to be more likely to complete. Just because you finish dripping doesn't mean that you can't still help them achieve the goal. Okay? Our third example is for done-for-you services. I'll use a bookkeeper as an example for this one. The role of the bookkeeper is to make sure that your financial records are kept up to date and possibly to highlight anomalies in your spending or income. So where in the world does email marketing come in to enhance the experience? It's certainly not used to send updates and status reports and the financial information. But there is a role for sure with email marketing. A bookkeeper would go a long way to keep their clients happy by sending automated emails one or two days before they go in and reconcile a given period, asking if there are specific things to look out for or any special considerations worth noting. This would be things like 
buying a new laptop, signing up for a course, buying airfare for a conference, those kinds of things. Those are anomalies. Those are not things that show up on your credit card regularly. By the bookkeeper asking if there's any anomalies, it makes it easier for them to be more efficient and correct with your books. This is a super simple email for them to send and you're going to be appreciative of it because it means less work for them, less back and forth and more complete thorough records. Another one might be to send a reminder to clients to pay quarterly taxes. This is above and beyond what might go out in a general newsletter style, giving it more personalized touch to their one-on-one VIP clients. So you may have a regular newsletter as a bookkeeper that goes out saying, hey, it's April 1st. If you haven't filed your taxes, you may want to be doing that. But to your clients, you may have a more personalized Don't forget that when you file your 2018 taxes, you're also going to be making your first estimated payment for 2019. As you know, we keep all of your records in Dropbox and you can just go to the file that is called ABC XYZ and you can get the number that we think is the appropriate number um, and then reconcile it with whatever your accountant has said. That is relevant. That is something that you can send to your VIP client. I want to know and I want you to start thinking about how you can use email marketing to enhance the experience your clients have with you and your business. I'm sure you'll find a few nuggets that are going to help you stand out. Email marketing is a fabulous tool and it's not going anywhere, but it's only as good as the work that goes into it. When you don't have a system to keep it all organized, it can become another weight on your shoulders instead of the highlight of your day or your week. While many businesses that I work with use email marketing, no two businesses work with the tools in the exact same way, which is why I believe that hitting the reset button and bringing in an expert, an outside perspective is a valuable exercise for your business. I would be honored to be that outside perspective for you. If you're interested in learning how you can work with me to make your email marketing platform work harder for you, DM me on Instagram. I'm at Tech of Business or head over to my website, techofbusiness.com and click on the work with me tab. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me on the Tech of Business podcast and this email marketing series beyond the broadcast. I would be honored to read your review on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and leave a review, leave a five-star rating, share what you've learned from this series or any other episode. And of course, I love it when you share podcast episodes with your friends. So click on the share button and pick someone who is in your network who would benefit from learning a little bit more about how to go beyond the broadcast with their own email marketing. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.